are listening to Currents, a podcast of Big Ocean Women. Today, on our first episode, we will be featuring an interview with Carolina Allen, the founder of Big Ocean. At the heart of our work within Big Ocean Women is the idea of maternal feminism. As maternal feminists, we believe we have a voice in the public square for the things that deeply matter to us, our faith, our family, and our maternal identities. Carolina is going to talk to us about what inspired her to start Big Ocean and what continues to inspire her. The Currents podcast aims to gather women who are deliberate thinkers, women who are prepared to engage as powerful forces for good in their homes, their communities, and the world. I am today's host, Shelley Spots. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Carolina. We are excited to have you here for our very first episode of the Currents podcast. And we just wanted to talk to you a little bit about Big Ocean Women and the genesis of Big Ocean Women, where it came from, what your vision is for it. So I would love to know from you where, where this idea of Big Ocean Women came from. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm delighted to share that. And I will share... Um, briefly the first like the story that everybody kind of knows and understands um, we have it documented in different places more in depth but there is another experience that I had that I don't share with very many people but I feel impressed to share it now I think it's timely um, so there are two really big experiences that I had so the first was it culminated in a trip to um, Hawaii when my husband and I flew out there to visit um, family and to be with, with family um, for his sister's funeral. So we flew out there for a funeral um, and there was a lot on my mind as we traveled there, a lot of philosophical questions that I'd been mulling over for years and years. And, um, and the main question was, what is feminism? What is my place in it? What is power? I felt like perhaps the upshot of feminism, the purpose of feminism was to restabilize power. Um, but then I was asking myself the question, well, what is power really? Like what's, what's the most powerful power? So I was having these philosophical questions kind of bubble up in my mind as I traveled there. And when we reached her funeral, um, it was very beautiful for me to see how impactful she had been in this community. Um, my sister-in-law is Moana Allen, and she was very beloved by her community. Um, she was like a mother figure to so many, even though she'd never been married or never had children. It was like this, this overwhelming love that just poured from her heart. It knit people together. And so at her funeral, you could see how much she was loved. So many people were there. Um, and it was at that moment that um, I realized that that's what real power is. It's influence, influence to touch people's hearts and influence to create these positive changes. And that's what she'd been displaying her whole life. So needless to say, I went back home and I tossed and turned with all these questions and with what I'd experienced at the funeral and I couldn't sleep. So at 5 a.m. I set out to the ocean side just to ponder on these things a little bit more. And I threw my hands in the air and I was like, literally god give me something like tell me more i want to know more what's going on here and at that moment i felt the need to be very still and very quiet and as i did so i 
heard these small little waves coming in. And so it triggered the word waves in my mind. So I started thinking about first wave feminism and second wave feminism. And I started walking along the edge of the, the ocean side and um, pondering on what it all meant and, um, and how, you know, I, I understood clearly the need for first wave feminism second wave feminism kind of struck me as a big tsunami type wave. So as I was pondering on second wave feminism, um, the image was this big, big, huge wave that came. And, um, and I recognized that, you know, um, that perhaps there was some, some fallout that came from that. Um, and that it, it really shook up the landscape as we knew it. And so I just started processing all of these things. And I stood, I found a cluster of these rocks and I stood up on top of the rocks and I could still hear these quiet little waves coming in and just kind of washing themselves up on this rock. And I couldn't help but feel like I'm this insignificant little wave, like the things that I'm doing day in and day out are just so invisible and so tiny and so small, um, you know, where's the power in that? And at that moment, I recognized that these small little waves had in fact been shaping the landscape in a way that could sustain life. So I, I thought, I pictured myself, well, what would I look like if I was a big tsunami wave? And I looked behind me at this beautiful landscape with its palm trees and sand and rocks and I looked beneath and there's, you know, so much life beneath these rocks. And I knew that um, there's nothing wrong with small waves because that's, it preserves life. You know, it keeps things alive and it keeps them peaceful and that there's tremendous power in that. So I started thinking about all of these things in my mind. And then um, the thought came to me though, that, um, that I wasn't alone in doing this, that millions of women that span the whole globe were doing similar things. And I picture myself, how many times I get my broom out and I'm sweeping the floor, cleaning messes, diapering children, um, fixing dinner, gardening, all of these things tether us together as, as very deep and profound experiences that we are experiencing every day. And so there's this like invisible thread that kind of unites womankind in these ways and in, in what we call care work. And that that care work is so significant because it really is it undergirds everything and as i started realizing that and just kind of picturing women all over the world tending to their families tending to their communities and into the natural world that we work harmoniously with the natural world it gave me such a love and then as soon as that love started to swell in my heart for these other women whom i had never met before but whom i felt this deep sisterhood, I raised my eyes up over, you know, and, and saw the sun rising up over the horizon. And it was this beautiful experience that made me feel like I can also identify with the big ocean, that we are all these small little waves doing our work. But when we start identifying ourselves as part of the big ocean, that's where our power is. And it's this like collective awakening that needed to happen. And so I had this experience and it just became very salient in my mind what needed to happen and the kind of feminism that I know that the world needed. 
And so it just kind of kickstarted something, a lot of other questions and how I could get involved. And, but that experience happened in 2012. Um, uh, the other experience that I'm, I'm going to mention today, I haven't mentioned with very many people, but I do feel like now's the time to share it with others um, and to make it more public. Um, after that first experience, I came home and I had a lot to think about. And I started a journey of research, like what is it really at the core of this massive global collective of women? What is it that we truly care about? And I boiled it down to three things, our faith, um, our tether to a higher power, whatever that higher power is that we conceive of, whatever name we give it, I know without a shadow of a doubt that's important to so many women of the world. So our faith, because that's what gives us resilience. That's what gives us the grit and the tenacity to keep going and keep moving forward and keep creating positive generative solutions, even amidst tremendous oppression. So I knew that that was important. The second thing I knew was very important was our ancestral roots and our progenitive branches. And so I knew family was of extreme importance to so many of us. And then the third thing I knew was that our motherhood or our biological uniqueness as women is very much a part of who we are, our identity as women and mothers um, that cannot be taken away from us. So those three things, although they may not be at the current present time, things that empower us, that's where we start. That's where those things must be made powerful to us. And so I knew that the feminism had to be anchored in those three things. Um, so I started researching and, um, and all the research kind of boiled down. We need this power to, to spill out, like to just, we need to unveil this power for the benefit of our human family and especially for our children to protect our children. And so I knew that without a shadow of a doubt. And I knew that because of this experience, which I'll get to. Um, it was a really windy November night um, still in 2020, um, after the experience with my sister-in-law at her funeral, um, I had been researching and I stumbled upon, um, the trafficking slash, um, pornography epidemic that was happening with children. And I just researched, I think it may have been like, I had just been researching for hours and just sobbing and crying in my bed. And I remember my husband being fast asleep and I could just the wind was so um, blowing so hard outside and I could hear just, you know, these big trees rattling against my window and I just felt like this impending doom. And I'm sitting there just kind of crying, learning about the horrors that children go through in this world. And I just had to get up out of bed. And I remember we lived in this big old historic home and the floor was so cold. And I went out into this, to our little bathroom and I just like, pretty much collapsed on the tile just from grief. Um, and I poured my heart out in prayer and I said, God, there has to be a way that I can protect my own children. I felt so helpless at that moment, like that the odds were so stacked against me that these powers and these, these very deliberate forces 
were really seeking to destroy my own family. And then I thought, but I can't just protect my own children. Like the thought came to me, please help me do this. And then, yes, of course I can do this. Of course I can take care of my own children and protect them. But then my heart grew and I said, it can't just be my children. It has to be all children. What can I do? And at that moment, after I prayed, I had this very clear image come in my mind of a mother bird that was hovering her wings to protect her children, her little baby chicks, and they were huddled under her wings. And then it was like I saw just millions of mother birds and they were extending their wings. So they didn't have them kind of hunched over their own children, but they were stretching them as far as they could to gather more children under their protective care. And so that image spoke to my heart and it said, yes, I will show you how you can protect your own children, but I need you to stretch yourself so that other children can fit under your protective care too. And as more and more women can do that, more children can be saved and protected. And so that kind of framed what this movement needed to look like. It needed to be anchored in our own power, but then igniting that power in other women so that we could do the same, so that we could stretch ourselves a little bit more than what is comfortable to us, but with a sacrificial purpose of protecting more children and protecting a whole generation. Um, and I don't share that very with very many people because the other part of this experience was I had this image in my mind and I came down the stairs and I just sat with it in my living room as it felt like all hell was raging outside my house that windy night. And I, at that moment, was just, as I was pondering, I felt this very, like, physically empty room fill in with a lot of women that had gone before. And I felt very keenly like I was not alone, that there were people that had passed perhaps beyond this earth life or that were yet to come that I couldn't see with my physical eyes, but that I could feel a palpable energy, like the room was so crowded. And I knew that we would have help. And so that kind of set me on a course of courage to do something that hadn't been done before. It set me on a course of hope that we weren't alone and that we would have the help needed, not just in this physical sphere, but from another. And um, I haven't shared that with very many people, but the reason why I feel impressed to share it now with whoever will listen is that we are entering in a phase of our world where it's going to take every single person that has a desire to grow light, to join in this battle that we are facing. It's bigger than any of us, and that's why this is a call to arms. This is a call to join this peaceful resistance, this resistance of light and love. And if I were to you know, explain what Big Ocean is in a nutshell, it's to gather women, to gather communities, and to create pockets of light and safety all over the world. Um, the things that um, 
I'm seeing happen um, together with our, we have like a, a think tank type of a team. The things that we're seeing, the trends that we're seeing um, are definitely pointing in the direction that things are going to get very difficult very soon. Um, and to be able to overcome these challenges, we have got to waken each other up. We've got to say, stretch your wings a little farther. Let's tuck as many of these precious children under our wings as possible and families. Um, but together we can do something great. And I know that without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and so this is also an invitation um, to have people join forces with us and mothers, you know, I think the work is very precious to our hearts. It resonates with us immediately. Um, but wake up your families and your husbands and your children and your communities um, and join this, you know. And so those are the two experiences that have led me on this journey and um, so many women that now we stand shoulder to shoulder together in this work and it's beautiful work. Um, it's, it's difficult work, but it's also very fulfilling work because it's hope filled. And I know there are a lot of movements out there that are sparked by and fueled by anger. And I think there's a place for that, but those movements burn out quickly. And Big Ocean Women and Maternal Feminism is a movement that is very long lasting because it's the fuel is love. The fuel is compassion. The fuel is, um, it's a rescue mission. And, and we can keep going as long as it's needed, so. That's wonderful, and I think one of the things that I hear from women a lot when we talk about getting involved in our communities and working for good with our own children, with other children, with anyone that we have sort of an influence over, anyone within our sphere, and one of the things that frustrates a lot of women is the negativity and the anger that, that seems to be really prevalent within a lot, of, um, a lot of movements. And then the other thing is this feeling that each one of us is so small that whatever we do won't make a difference. But when I look at the things that Big Ocean is doing, this idea of maternal feminism and sort of a maternal economy, it plays on that and it depends and rests on that idea that we are each small, but that when we come together, we can make, you know, incredible difference. So philosophically and, and in beautiful language, you've expressed to us sort of the, the difference between a traditional feminism and maternal feminism but in a practical sense, in getting involved within your communities, for you, what does that look like? Um, well, it is a practical feminism. It's a feminism that meets women where they are and that doesn't say, you know, for you to be empowered, this is what it looks like. It says you have power. You were born with power. You know, however oppressed your life is at this moment, there are choices you can make deep, deep within your soul that can spark and magnify that flame and that power within you and just grow it, grow it, grow it, grow it, grow it um, until you can influence in your home and in your family 
um, and then keep growing it and growing it and growing it until your voice is heard in your community and then in the public square and it just keeps growing. And as one individual woman can do that, she ignites that in another woman. That's why our cottages are so important um, and that they really are revolutionary because it takes one woman to inspire and to gather a small group of women and then together they come and to understand their collective power and to make, you know, um, generative solutions, whether it be in their homes or in their communities or nationally or internationally. Um, they can move beyond that to influence. And I think we have to come back to this idea of what is real power. Uh, it's the power to influence, not to force, not to, you know, demand this change in a forced way where other people, it's, it's a battle between convincing others to change on their own. That's the only way that things are sustainable because I could tie, I could grab somebody's arm and force them to do what I want them to do. But if it doesn't come from deep within their heart, that change, whatever outcome it is that I'm wanting, it's not going to last. And so our, we are tasked with the power to inspire and to influence change in others that can be lasting. And it's with persuasion, it's with articulateness, it's with example. We lead by example through our words and our deeds. Everything has integrity in there. And then we offer that as an invitation for other people. And it's, it's up to them, they get to choose, you know? Um, whether it's um, the, the kinds of oppression that women are facing within their homes, let's say with abusive husbands or spouses. Um, this is the lived reality of so many women all over the world. And um, as a sisterhood, we can protect one another and safeguard one another and, and remind each other of our worth. And then one woman can stand and say, this behavior is not okay. And I'm inviting you to choose a better path. But if not, I have a sisterhood behind me that will support me and care for me. And I'm not alone. And you cannot treat me this way. Um, and to a, a, a broader society, this behavior is unacceptable. We demand, we, we expect better. We're inviting you to choose a better way. We're moving in this path, you know, with or without you. And we invite you to come, but you're going to have to make changes along the way. Um, and so it's, it's an invitation uh, and it's, we, we keenly understand that we have the power already within us. We don't have to beg for it. We don't have to ask for it. We don't have to demand it. It's already inside us. We just have to remember and then stick together and, and, and keep fueling that fire, that flame within us all. One of the ideas about Big Ocean that has always struck me very powerfully because uh, traditional feminism, there is this idea that for women to become empowered and to access that power that they have, that we must in some way make men less. And that's not the approach that big women, big ocean women takes. It's not the approach of maternal feminism. 
maternal feminism honors the role of men in our lives. Would you like to speak to where that influence comes from for you? Um, well, it's, it's born out of my own struggle of navigating relationships with men. Um, I have, uh, you know, family members and a husband that I've had to negotiate a lot of things with them. Um, behaviors that I don't like in them and them with me. And so it's in this exchange that our future children can, can see this quote unquote healthy hashing out. Although sometimes it hasn't been healthy, um, because I'm learning and we're all learning. Um, but this negotiation is essential. That's where growth comes from. And you can't just turn your back on somebody and say, you're not ever going to be a part of my world. That's impossible. That's ridiculous. Um, unless you live in, in the fantasy world of the Amazons where women are completely isolated from men. And some people are wanting that and that that's totally fine. But I think there's a lot of value in the struggle. There's a lot of growth that comes from this negotiation that's happening from the male sphere and from the female sphere and from that messy negotiating there's a lot of growth and development and ingenuity and creativity in ways that we are learning from each other and so then there's the rise of this mutual partnership and i think that is worth fighting for that is worth not giving up on um, and I've seen it in my own life very keenly. Like if anything that I'm speaking philosophically with big ocean women, I'm putting it to practice. It's coming, it's birthing from my own life. And um, I refuse to give up on men. Um, I've seen the goodness that they can give and I've seen how needed they are in my life and in the world. But this negotiating, this communication, this vulnerability, we need to have that with each other um, in a broader sense to say, I feel hurt when, or I need you to do this thing. You know, I'm incomplete. Like we're two missing pieces. Um, and the wholeness comes from this very hard work of negotiating. So, well, and I think it's very powerful in that it recognizes that for women to be empowered doesn't mean disempowering men, but that we can work together as two empowered people to find solutions and in our relationships and to strengthen our relationships and that leaving one half of, of our society behind, whether that is the feminine half or the masculine half is never going to be a healthy way to, to form a society that, that can protect and provide solutions. I agree with you. I, I do think though, I very much can understand where this liberal feminism is coming from. When you look at the atrocities placed on women for generations um, and the way that women have been treated within this kind of um, male dominating you know, system, um, I can understand the frustration there. I, I can see it. It's not that I'm oblivious to it or that I'm turning a blind eye or burying my head. I get it. And I felt it in my own life. Um, 
but what I know to be a different solution and a more creative solution is um, when we can see that oppression and when we can con when we can move beyond regardless so that we're not pandering for others to give us power but when we're stepping into that power even amidst the hardship um and i see women doing that all over the world and the more of us that do that the more of an organic balance will come about there has been an imbalance i'll be the first one to say that but the way in creating balance i think is a hundred percent in our capacity to do um because because of the idea of big ocean because of the idea of other women joining this and stepping into their power together and when you do that there is this recalibration of power where men can see um the leadership that we are showing in a better path and i think that there are good men in the world that see that and that make way for our leadership. Um, and in all the different ways that we talk about with, with Big Ocean, um, related to maternal economy and abundance mindset and global sisterhood and all of these different tenets that we talk about regularly and philosophical kind of um, ideas. And I think that there are a lot of men that are becoming awake to that leadership and are following. So that's great. I, I love this idea of the maternal economy and we're seeing it happen all over the world within the cottages that have been established and, and they are in, I think like 16 countries at this point. Could you speak for a moment to the idea of what a cottage is and how it can be impactful within a community? A cottage is um, a collection of women that come together that uh, feel this internal power and they counsel together and learn about the big ocean women tenets um, in more depth and they become educated on issues surrounding them and their community that are challenges, um, problems in their community, and then they counsel together and come up with generative solutions. Solutions that um, are creative and that are coming from their own creation. So it's not looking for some outside source to tell them what to do, but they're coming up with their own solutions. And then organizing and Big Ocean is a support, it's a, it's a supportive network that can give them assistance, give them some support, give them some guidance um, in whatever ways they need, whether it is to create a plan for, for a project, whether it's to, um, to do some kind of humanitarian aid or some kind of a more of a political um, organized project, um, we offer that support. And what we're seeing, the cool thing is that we're able to offer not just um, resources from other nonprofit networks that we're a part of um, and, and other organizational friends, but we're seeing the network being cottage to cottage. 
So we have some cottages here in the United States that can then be partnered with cottages overseas. And together these women are providing solutions um, with each other's help. And so we're creating like a very big web of, of a social protective layer. You know, it's like all of these mother birds extending their arms and being able to provide that, that safety and that um, protection for their families and communities. And it's very beautiful to see. And it's, I think that the more cottages that can dot the earth with women that feel their power and that are looking out for one another and each other's families and communities, that web is going, that fabric is gonna become so robust and so powerful together that, um, that it's a system of protection that's completely organic and it's completely independent. And I think that's really important in the trends that I'm seeing today, especially with like this fourth industrial revolution where there's very artificial um, networks being implanted and, you know, just very brutally integrated and kind of shoved in our face. Um, and so the more women come and create this natural fabric, the more it stands as a buffer against some other opposing forces. That's great. I think also with the idea that, you know, faith, family, motherhood, these are at the heart of big ocean. There sometimes seems to be a comp competing desires for women, right? We want to step into this, position to influence others and to lead and and this this influence in our communities and yet we do want to maintain that really strong connection with our own families and be there for them and be doing that important care work in the home and the world sometimes sees these two things as competing forces right you can either step out and lead in your community or you can stay home and lead within your family that has not been my experience with Big Ocean, but from your point of view, how do you balance the work that you do with Big Ocean and trying to s encourage women to step into their power and being there with your family and doing that important work within your own home? Um, well, for me, leadership always starts in the home. Um, the greatest so I'm, I'm just going to roughly say that if you were to peel back the layers of, of what the biggest powers on earth right now are, are trying to get at, it's influence. They really are. All the marketing, all the algorithms, all of the different nudges and different AI mechanisms, they're trying to nudge you and kind of direct you, in my opinion, very forcibly. Um, toward their end goals. So it's really influence. They're trying to buy attention. They're trying to buy um, our thought processes to benefit and to put lots of, you know, to, to put a lot of money in people's pockets, okay? <clears throat> so when I look at that, I think if their biggest goal is to influence, okay, people, I can look at myself as a mother and say, I have that innate capacity already to influence. And I influence because of 
the, the intention is radically different. So people are using that power to line their pockets with a lot of money and to have a lot of um, power and oversight. The mother's capacity to do this is innate, it's organic. It comes from our sacrifice. I've sacrificed my physical body to give birth to humans. And because of that sacrifice and that infinite love, the words that I say and how I rear them, the values that they espouse because of the things that I'm saying and doing in my home, that that influence is more powerful. And so when I'm talking about um, this kind of balance of work that we can do, leadership that we can have outside the home or inside the home, I'm always going to say start inside the home because that has generational impact. The impact you can have in your community um, can be wonderful. It can be great. You're going to have a lot of accolades. You're going to have people say, oh, you're such an awesome leader. You're going to have a lot of that instant, instant gratification. But when you're talking about influence in your home, it may be more invisible. You don't get the thanks. You feel it's the hardest work you're going to do. But if you're doing it with the right intention, your power to influence that next generation is so powerful and to hang in there. Um, but as you do that, as you're magnifying your leadership in your own home with your own family members and extended family members, it's a natural outcome to have that spill over into the public square, into the community. And, and so the solution to know how to vacillate between the two is what I call the internal compass. You have that little voice inside you that says, okay, you've been doing a lot outside Let's, you know, let's cancel plans today. Let's snuggle and read a book with kids. Let's cook a good, healthy meal together. Or it's everything is good here on the home front. Um, I'm going to go do this thing, organize this thing. Um, family, I need your support. I'm going to go do this thing. And so you're the one that knows that intimately. Nobody can really tell you. Um, and any kind of self-help book, you know, that can be out there, um, it doesn't ever trump that gut feeling. And the more that you trust that gut feeling, that internal compass, the more effortless vacillating between these two worlds will be. It will become like this beautiful, you know, orchestrated thing in your life that it brings you tremendous joy. It's not going to be, you know, without a lot of effort and hard times. And I failed way more than I can even count. Um, but that's how you learn too. But it's not to say, I think for a lot of women, this, this t the tension between the two worlds is what people just don't want to deal with. So they pick a camp. I'm just going to be in this outside sector and then dabble in the home sector, or I'm just going to be in the home sector and dabble in the other. Um, but it's in the tension, that's where the life lessons are learned and that's where we grow. So it's kind of like the vision again of a mother bird. It's extending her wings. You need, we need to extend our wings and that's hard work. But in doing that, that's what inspired others to do that. And that's how we can create um, a broader safety network for those that we love. And um, so in Big Ocean, we have a culture where it's like, okay, if you need to take a break, no worries. Like it, we don't even think twice about it and somebody else can step in and fill in and then people bounce back in. And so it's not this like, you know, poo-poo culture of like, well, why aren't you pulling your weight and you're not doing this right? 
it's kind of like we we get it like if this project is going to get done like we really you know would love to have this project <clears throat> by this time but if not like no big deal we will make it work and it does work and that's what i think is pretty fascinating it's the idea of the maternal economy we cover for each other and there's grace um to to one another where things don't have to look this hyper professional polished perfectionistic kind of a culture it's um it's very understanding you know of where we are in our lives and there's a lot of forgiveness there um and we're all growing together so and i think <clears throat> i think there's a lot of forgiveness between each other but then i think it teaches us also a lot of forgiveness towards ourselves right we you know we try and do our best but no matter how good that is we're gonna fail at some point at something we're gonna fail in the family we're gonna fail trying something outside the home that's the nature of the human experience is to try things and have that failure but it's it's having that grace towards yourself and being able to have the resilience to say okay this was this was not a great experiment in this thing but i'm going to try it again we're going to try it again we're going right. to try something new and and get past that i think also we have been taught as part of that lack of forgiveness towards ourselves to mistrust our internal compass right not listen to it and and that ability and power to start listening to to ourselves and to our beliefs and those nudges that come from inside and to really bring the power back to ourselves and say, okay, where, where am I feeling that I'm the most needed right now? I think that that is one of the most empower, empowering things that we can do as women. Absolutely. Amen to that. Absolutely. For sure. Um, <clears throat> I think, I think that what it also does is it creates a culture of compassion where we're not judgmental of one another and where we can be vulnerable enough to say, I can't do this thing. Like I need you sister. Like you're so good at this thing. Can you please help me? And so it takes that burden off of, of needing and feeling like you need to be perfect at everything. It's like you recognize that you have these gaps, but other women fill them so beautifully. And so, um, there's that connection, you know, that you can have with others. And instead of, you know, feeling isolated, like you have to be all things to all people on your own with no help. Um, that's just so counter to what our culture, you know, what we're building, the big ocean culture that we're building, the maternal feminist culture that we're building. You have been listening to Currents, a podcast by Big Ocean Women. You can find us on the internet at bigoceanwomen.org, on Instagram and on Facebook. Our guest today has been Carolina Allen. Born in Brazil, Carolina and her family immigrated to the U.S., where she later earned a bachelor's degree in philosophy from the University of Utah. She has a great appreciation for diverse cultures, ethnicities, and religious worldviews, which she learned first from her parents and five siblings. She is a dynamic speaker and has had the opportunity to participate in various international conferences, including the Women of the Mountains Conference, World Congress of Families, and the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women. Carolina is a grassroots organizer and believes in the power of many voices working together to grow the good. The world is a big place and we are small people, but even small people can bring about big change. Our music is first reigned by Ian Post 
Editing and production is by Fifth East Productions. Please join us again for in-depth discussion about interesting ideas and interesting people who are trying to make a difference in their communities.